Subscribe to The Leader to make sure you don't miss out on the best news, analysis and commentary. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. The London Bridge attack last month was horrific, but from it, extraordinary stories of heroism are emerging. John Crilly was one of the um, ex-prisoners who was at the event on London Bridge that day. Effectively, he was prepared to die himself to save other people. Our crime correspondent, Anthony France, on John Crilly, the ex-prisoner who tackled a terrorist with a fire extinguisher and insists he's not a hero. Also... Boris Johnson's voted and brought his dog Dylan to the station, why we're urging everyone to get to a polling booth. And... It's sort of relentless, it just rolls over you and you you don't really have any option apart from to surrender. Even our theatre critic Nick Curtis loves a panto. He looks at the enduring appeal of a very British art form. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is the leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, a tale of courage from the London Bridge attack. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Any kind of attack in a public place will cause fear. That is the aim of a terrorist like Usman Khan, who strapped a fake explosive vest to his chest and killed two people, Jack Merritt and Saskia Jones, at London Bridge last month. But somehow, in amongst the chaos, there are those who find the resilience to do extraordinary things. One of those stories has been revealed today, as our editorial column explains. The recent London Bridge attack produced many heroes. John Crilly is one of them. Attending a conference on rehabilitation, Mr Crilly, who was once jailed for murder after a burglary, did not hesitate to save lives. When he heard Usman Khan begin his attack, he tackled the terrorist, even though he believed he was wearing a live explosives vest. He warned the police and told them to shoot. The attack was appalling. The loss of life, heartbreaking. But the way people responded shows that society is still strong. Our crime correspondent, Anthony Franz, is covering the story. Anthony, John Crilly's revealed some amazing details in this interview he's done about what happened that day. 
but he says he's not a hero. Yes, exactly. Um, so John Crilly uh, was one of the um, ex-prisoners who was at um, the event on London Bridge that day, and uh, they all sprung into action um, to stop Khan um, committing the offences um, that he may have gone on to do. So um, he's been given he's given an interview with the BBC where he's been talking about how he used a fire extinguisher. Um, to spray him in the face um, and also uh, at that time they feared that he had a suicide vest on so he's actually screaming at him you know basically calling his bluff uh, telling him to go and detonate himself um, and was saying that he you know effectively he was uh, prepared to die himself to save other people. Which is extraordinary bravery and yet he does reject this idea that he's a hero and he says that Jack Merritt would be my hero. Yeah, so Jack uh, actually mentored him, and uh, in fact, they they were friends. Um, So Jack, um, who um, studied criminology at um, Cambridge University, and also Saskia Jones as well, who was a volunteer, um, they had actually, um, they believed in rehabilitating um, ex-offenders, including Mr. Crilly, and you know, there are, I mean, if you look at the case of Mr. Crilly, it's worked as far as we can tell. Yeah, that is interesting. This was a rehabilitation conference. He and Jack were friends. It does show that Jack's work with offenders was effective. Yeah, I mean, um, it was something that Jack believed in. He was very passionate about. Um, I'm sure not everybody shares his views, but, you know, you almost have to think, thank goodness there are people like Jack out there who, who, who... who are not following the narrative of, you know, these people should be jailed for the rest of their lives, who are actually trying to do something else. Next. Well, you all got your pictures, you all right? Jeremy Corbyn's cast his vote. Have you? I can't go this way, it's too deep. <laughs> Not even a flood at the polling station in Bermondsey could stop these voters from casting their ballot. And all over the country, there are reports of queues as people line up to have their say in one of the most important elections in modern history. Our editorial column is hoping for a very high turnout. Today is not about parties or spats on social media. It hangs on the collective choice made by millions of individuals trying to do what they think is right. The sight of long queues of people waiting to vote this morning shows they know elections count. That's why, whatever else you do today, we urge you to join them by taking part. It matters, even though a lot about this election has been dispiriting. None of the leaders have shifted people's impressions of them. Many people will vote for the outcome they fear least rather than the one they actually want. Nonetheless, this paper is clear that the best outcome is that Boris Johnson stays in Downing Street, above all because Mr Corbyn is not fit to be our Prime Minister. That is why we advocate a Conservative vote today. By tomorrow, a few of the thousands of candidates standing will be MPs. Soon Parliament will be back and we will have new ministers. But today politics is in the hands of the people. Make sure you are among them, and if you haven't already, then vote. And if you can't stay up all night, the result will be in our morning news bulletin sent to smart speakers at 7am. Just ask for the news from the Evening Standard. Now. Is the pantomime Britain's greatest art form? Oh, 
Oh, no, it isn't. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, no, it isn't. That debate would go on forever, but there is a great new Panto opening in London at the Palladium. Our critic Nick Curtis has given Goldilocks, starring Paul O'Grady, Julian Clary and Nigel Havers, four stars, which makes it as good as the National Theatre's revival of A Taste of Honey. Sort of. He says Goldilocks is indecently good fun, and he's come on the podcast to tell us why. Nick, that's a lot of stars for a pantomime. I described it in my review as sort of like Panto as War. You're sort of relentlessly um, pummeled by innuendo from Julian Clary and Paul O'Grady in the lead roles um, and by bizarre variety acts and uh, jokes from the ventriloquist comedian who's very good, Paul Zerdin. Uh, so it's sort of relentless. It just rolls over you and you, you don't really have any option apart from to surrender. I mean, aren't all pantos the same and isn't that part of the joke? Um, there's, I think the, there's a core of panto tradition, but within that there's quite a lot of variation. Uh, quite a few London theatres like Hackney Empire, Stratford East do their own pantos each year where they take an old story, but they write a proper plot around it, usually making it locally relevant um, and trying to make it a bit more sort of a sub- substantial theatrical experience. But there is still very much a place for uh, the old school celebrity pact, uh, joke pact, innuendo pact, panto, uh, which we all know and possibly love. Why does Britain love this form of theatre so much. Well, it's our only uh, indigenous form of theatre, really. Um, it does stem from Greek and Roman traditions and from uh, a French tradition called Pantomime Blanche, but we have very much made it our own. Uh, a, f- a friend from abroad was asking me the other day to explain Panto to them, and I said, well, it involves a man dressed as a woman and a girl dressed as a boy uh, and usually some topical jokes and a lot of people shouting, it's behind you. And I just sort of tailed off after that because she was looking at me very, very strangely indeed. It is absolutely uniquely Brit- British. It, it must completely baffle people from other countries. Does anywhere else have anything like this? I don't think anyone else does. I've certainly, uh, when I've looked into it in the past, I've been unable to find it uh, it's equivalent anywhere else. I think there are a few pantos that go on around the world, but they tend to be for for British expats. I think there's one in Los Angeles every year. And when you go to a panto, I don't know about you, Nick, obviously you're a very professional theatre critic. I can't help but get wrapped up in that atmosphere and I can't help shouting, he's behind you and all those things. Do you feel like that too? Uh, I have been known to give in to that sort of thing. And how does it attract such big stars? You know, people like Paul O'Grady are in this one. Julian Clary playing a character called the Ringmaster, which is a level of genius I think needs to be called out. Uh, how, why do people do panto? Well, um, it's a it's um, a short engagement at a not uh, at an otherwise not very busy time of the year. Um, I think I don't know what the fees are in panto, but I imagine they get paid quite a decent uh, sum of money for it, particularly the very big names that. Uh, that draw a crowd. I, I put out a tweet earlier this week about Julian Clary being inducted into the Palladium's Wall of Fame. I sort of thought you had to be passed over to the other side before this happened. Then I thought, no, Jimmy Tarbuck's still with us. It's the Palladium, you know, this, who'd have thought that I'd be on the wall at the Palladium. And got more response from that, from to that than anything I've ever done on social media before. You get a guaranteed audience and you know you're going to be able to make people laugh. I mean, you can't really underestimate that. And that's The Leader. Please do subscribe so you don't miss out on the shows we have coming up. Tomorrow, there's an election special with our senior editorial team. Whatever the result, we'll tell you what it means. We'll see you then. 
Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.